Let's get it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. All right, we have Mr. Stephen Kent, commentator, Young Voices, uh, formerly the host of Right Now with Stephen Kent, a conservative libertarian YouTube show, and also, well, author of How the Force Can Fix the World, uh, and editor of geekystoics.com. Uh, good to have you on the show, sir. How are you? I'm doing very well. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. We're going to talk about Christian nationalism. Mm-hmm. Um, what it is, what it ain't, what does it lead to, and perceptions. I don't want to uh, presume what you know or believe about the concept. So I will allow you to give us your proclamation. I will then opine. Sure. So uh, Christian nationalism immediately becomes divisive because uh, right off the bat, you know, we're reacting to how we feel about the word nationalism. It evokes a lot of different feelings. And I will tell you, I myself have had beers with some of these so-called Christian nationalists in Washington, D.C., the types who might call themselves Catholic integralists. Uh, these are individuals who would like to see a monarchy renewed in the United States, dispense with liberal democracy, uh, and reinstate the authority of the Vatican. <laughs> so these individuals are real, uh, and to them, Christian nationalism is the identifier that sums up their ideology. Uh, but we're talking about this today because Politico did a piece where they profiled Russell Vaught and a handful of other so-called Christian nationalists who are around Donald Trump and would be part of his second administration. And these individuals, particularly Russell Vaught, defines Christian nationalism very specifically. And if I may, I'll just read what he wrote just a couple of months ago. He said, an orientation for engaging in the public square that recognizes America as a Christian nation, where our rights and duties are understood to come from God, and where our primary responsibilities as citizens are for building and preserving the strength, prosperity, and health of our own country. It's a commitment to an institutional separation between church and state, but not the separation of Christianity from its influence on government. You know, well, let me respond to some of that because there's a factual inaccuracy in that proclamation. Uh, this was not founded as a Christian nation. And, and if, if we don't at least discuss that point, I think the rest of it is, is not genuine. We were not founded as a Christian nation. As a matter of fact, a whole lot of the, the founding fathers were deist uh, and openly criticized traditional Christianity. And the entire concept of the foundational argument to create the experiment known as America was to get away from this Christian monarchy rule and establish an independent cohort known as the United States of America. It took some time, obviously, for the independence, independence to become um, a reality. But that was the concept. Now, do you disagree with anything I've just offered to you? Not necessarily. I do think it's important that you note that uh, there were deists within the founding fathers. Uh, Benjamin Franklin is is one such person uh, who he sort of just in general believed in higher powers and well, higher. They believed in enlightenment. They believed in enlightenment and, and you seeking that enlightenment through, through your direct channels of higher self, consciousness, spirituality, etc. But as far as this- Not be- through yours, but through objective uh, higher goods uh, and objective senses of authority. And I don't think we disagree on this point at all. So why do you think people who are 
well educated. They took some history classes. Why do you think people still say that this was founded as a Christian nation? Why does that happen? Hmm, why does that happen? I mean, I'm sure you would have a theory about it, but I would say that it comes from uh, the language of God, heaven, higher authority, and power uh, that is so inherent to the great speeches of American history, the huh? farewell address of George Washington, that just discussion of God uh, is baked into so much of early American history. And then it experiences a bit of a revival uh, in the late 1900s through the government. But, you know, the conservative movement is disenchanted with liberal democracy and liberalism as a whole. Um, they are quite content at this point to throw out the idea that government should be impartial and simply mediate law between conflicting interests and should take a perspective. And this is probably where I actually agree with them. Okay. Uh, I come from the libertarian world uh, and we support and, and would prefer to see a government that is neutral uh, and just sort of maintaining the interests of different factions. Conservatives will contend that there is no such thing as neutrality. And they argued this when it came to the whole drag queen story hour thing, where you have some drag queen come to your kindergarten school and read books to your kids, that that is not neutrality, that it's actually the government taking a position about what is good, acceptable, worthy of being in front of children. And I think that they have the high ground on that argument. And libertarians are probably going to have to come to grips with this because there are things that we do tend to agree are not worthy of being in the public square. You know, that's interesting to me. When you say public square, mm -hmm. it indicates that this is something available to everyone in this public community, right? And mm -hmm. there are these rights allocated, freedom of speech, etc. However, um, minors don't have rights per se. They don't have all of these constitutional rights. Oh, they, they do not, sir. I mean, we can argue that if you would like to. They don't have the right to bear arms. You're like the, the bad they, guy and the little rascals who says, you're not people, you're kids. Well, I'm, I'm saying exactly <laughs> how the law works. So you can argue the law, you don't have to argue uh -huh. against me. Um, the law does not recognize a child's right to bear arms. The law does not recognize um, a child's freedom of speech inside of a school setting. You know that, Hell, they can't even wear the clothes they want to wear. They have to follow a dress code something that many conservatives agree with. So you acknowledge they don't have the same rights as a as an adult, correct? Uh, I do not acknowledge that. You I, don't I can't do I can't they? I can't pull up the Supreme Court case right off the top of my head mm -hmm. here, but the free speech in school, right, would pertain uh, right directly to uh, the ability to not say the pledge of allegiance in schools. Where it was but also the free a case speech in has a 19 No sir, you're making a whole case different point. In 2011 in which California passed a bill which would prohibit kids from going to like EB Games, GameStop used to be called EB Games, and purchasing violent video games without parental consent. Uh, the Supreme Court and the opinion was written by Antonin Scalia penned that kids do in fact have free speech rights to purchase violent video games without mediation from their parent or guardian which is actually a remarkable decision because it applies directly well, brother, to brother you take it you take it, this whole thing completely off course let me let me bring you back to the train track here okay. uh, because you actually just proved my point i don't think you realize what you what you've done here it is. The, there's a restriction allocated to minors 
for basically every single constitutional right that one has. Mm -hmm. So a student inside of, let's say, a middle school cannot drop the F-bomb without the government penalizing the student. It's called suspension. Oh, sure they can. Have you ever been in a school? Yes, sir. I, I work in school, <laughs> sir. They can um, do whatever drop, they want. Maybe even no, smack the teacher. No, you obviously do not work in schools. If you drop the F-bomb inside of a school setting, you get in school suspension first time. Second time, you typically but get- But suspension no policies are racist. Have you not heard if it creates yeah, you, racial inequity in the schools, you can't you're suspend gaslighting. students. You're, you're, you're trying to deflect no, I'm from just, the I, argument. I've, I've got Hold kids on to in your brother. I'm gonna get, like I'm these gonna policies are, are real. I'm going to get to you to your point in a moment as you try to deflect. But if you drop the F-bomb inside of a school setting, middle school, whatever, mm -hmm. the school has the authority, and the school is the government, it's a governmental mm -hmm. entity. Yeah. They have the authority reinforced by the US Supreme Court to suspend, remove, or otherwise discipline appropriately mm -hmm. that student, which proves the restriction of the freedom of speech. Now, that's, I don't know why it took so long for me to help you see that point. So simple. No, my apologies. Point. I think, no, you are right. They do have the authority. Maybe I'm, what I'm contending is that they don't uh, believe in using it uh, anymore. I, so, I don't know who the they are, but the institutions I work with, they do utilize it. Um, mm -hmm. Some schools, in my opinion, especially, especially those where uh, white students hurl the N-word at black students, which is bullying, et cetera, they don't get suspended or they mm -hmm. don't get disciplined. That is a problem, all right? So that- challenge we've seen right here in Indisputable via reporting. But let's get back to the Christian nationalism dynamic because sure. definitions are one thing. But who's controlling the narrative is the actual genesis of this entire debate and argument. Christian nationalism can be just as diverse as every other Christian doctrination alive, period. You have people that will believe this, others believe that. Mm -hmm. But who's controlling the narrative in the political sense? The extreme version of the narrative has significant power over the number one candidate for the Republican ticket to be president. Do you disagree with that? I believe that he is taking advantage of them, yes. Okay, let's get into that. There may be some, some common ground we have. I agree with you. Let me first start by saying that. I do believe Donald Trump is mm -hmm. exploiting them. I don't think he's a Christian, Christian evangelical. I, I don't think he gives a damn no, of course about not. it one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Now, he's exploiting them. Now, here's the thing though, dear brother, and you have to acknowledge this. He's able to exploit them because of a level of indoctrination they have already endured. Do you get the cause and effect here? There's a connection between the level of indoctrination that they have already endured and the indoctrination, the indoctrination that comes with that, and Donald Trump exploiting it, understanding the psychology connection between blind faith and what seems to be a cult leader now. So I'm going to argue something different, actually, okay. which is that he is taking advantage of Christian nationalists, the evangelical movement, and they are allowing it to happen. I don't actually accept the narrative that they are being duped in any way, shape, or form. This is a movement that is about power. We're talking about Christian nationalists here and the yeah. new Political right. power, right? Uh, they want political power, and Donald yep. Trump is a mechanism in which they can achieve it and have it back. 
Um, so there is very much a, a trade-off here where both sides are getting a thing that they want. Mm-hmm. Trump is getting voters uh, and they are getting a person who will enact their preferred policies and remove neutrality uh, from the US government. Um, so I, I don't think that anybody's being fooled. Yeah, I, I disagree. Uh, we've had them on the program. There are some real Kool-Aid drinkers, brother. I, I get your point. You're saying <laughs> there's a transactional relationship and, mm-hmm. and people are kind of doing the wink and nod thing, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. We know Trump's a Christian, right? So I get that, and I do believe that's accurate. And there are mm-hmm. people inside of the party or movement who believe that, but I also believe that there are some true Kool Aid drinkers who are very authentic about their belief and approach, and will give Donald Trump their last penny because of that belief structure. But let's talk about Christian evangelicals and the Christian nationalism mm-hmm. dynamic in America. You have people like the late Billy Graham, right? One of the most influential Christian evangelicals America has ever produced. He was a non-factor. That movement was a non-factor. Let me put it this way. That movement was a non-factor in the 60s in America as it relates to the freedoms of black people and otherwise disenfranchised folk in this country. As a matter of fact, the King camp would tell you, it was the Billy Graham camp who said, no, 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 no. We got to do this thing gradually. You're moving too fast here. Mm-hmm. So if left to Christian nationalism, we would still be in 1968, 69. So their effectiveness spiritually, I'm talking spiritually, ethically, okay. morally, etc. Their effectiveness to say things like, well, well, we want to have bias, we want to have position, we want to have these things that America is now saying, well, we gotta be neutral. Well, realize taking a position is one thing, but taking an antithetical position to progress is another. And they took an antithetical position to progress as relates to black folks. I think this would actually be a good good moment to, to talk a little bit about how natural law has played into these debates. Because I think what you're saying- What's your definition of natural law? Let, let's define that first, if you would. Uh, sure, so natural law would be rules that come from something other than ourselves about the way that the universe works. Um, that's, you know, you can get it from a million different people in a million different ways. Well, it's, uh, it's, But they it's, are laws that, uh, Precede man. Okay, well, like a cosmic law, universal law. Yes, they do. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about social laws, right? Or social That's laws. That's right. We're talking about cosmic law. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, and so you mentioned that uh, Christian nationalists, uh, you know, if it were not for them or if it were for them, we would not have like the civil rights movement integration today. My problem is that uh, the media that reported this story, Politico, on Christian nationalists, they define the one thing that brings all Christian nationalists together, the one thing that defines them in their view. And here we have uh, a complete incoherence about what Christian national, it, nationalism is, which is that what defines them is their belief. In this idea, this radical notion that we have natural law, that our rights come from God and not from government, which by that definition, Martin Luther King would be a Christian nationalist. And so it's really well, they're, it's they're really important. On the it's definition. really important that we, you know, clarify yeah. uh, but you know that. You, what Christian you nationalism know is. That that definition was wholly inaccurate. Well, make your case. So the definition of Christian nationalism, you have already made my case, brother. 
when you said it is about political power. So <laughs> if you have submitted on my show that Christian nationalism is about political power, you cannot then double talk and say Christian nationalism is about anything moral or God's law because political power is not cosmic law. Well, I'm not making that case. I'm restating Politico's case. I understand. That's and I restated that they were wholly inaccurate in the definition of mm -hmm. Christian nationalism that you decided to use to compare to the great Dr. King, who damn sure wasn't down with Christian nationalism. He was fighting them, sir. By the media's definitions and their the media, secular worldview. You're talking about one company. He would be, and this is nope. the importance uh -uh. of this conversation. See, I, I won't let you do that here, brother. You're talking about one damn company. I said on record. That mm -hmm. definition is wholly inaccurate. There are people who are not Christian nationalists who believe the same thing. There are True. folks who are Christian nationalists who do not believe that at all. So you cannot give a blanket um, broad stroke because one media company and one person in that media mm -hmm. company defined it as such. Okay. Right? I don't know. <laughs> oh, I'm on. just restating to you the reason that we're having a conversation in the first place. All right, so you know and I know the comment was inaccurate as far as the description of Christian nationalism. Uh, Dr. King was not anywhere near associated. Oh my God, he's not a Christian nationalist. I'm trying to tell you this. Yeah, I know. He's not know a saying. Christian nationalist unless you go by flawed definitions of that Christian nationalism. Dr. King yes. was a natural rights adherent in the long tradition of American enlightenment and, and law. Yes. Um, so that's what we're talking about here. But the reason for this discussion is because if we're going to raise the alarm about Catholic integralists and Christian nationalists, we need to actually know what it is that they believe. And it's not natural law that brings these people together. It's a belief that the United States government and liberal democracy cannot uphold virtue. That is what unites these individuals. Yeah. So just to be clear. We have different definitions of virtue, for example. I think okay. it's virtuous. I think it's virtuous for an individual to not be judged based on the color of their skin. Agree. I think it's also virtuous for your zip code not to define your economic reality or opportunity at higher oh, education. Such as what school you might have to go to? That's correct, dear brother. I, I believe <laughs> oh, these things are virtuous. Now, if, if it's virtuous, then there's a responsibility, a societal responsibility to that virtue. Because every single virtue that we talk about must be respected by the person next to you. And if it's not respected, that virtue be damned. Because outside of the proper societal construct, the virtue is simply a good idea. No, that's absolutely live, right. In, in reality. Lewis's Mere Christianity, he writes about this um, and contends with the idea that the left and the right, both you know, Christians in this context, might want to use government to enact their virtues. And he says, okay. a Christian society will never arrive until most of us truly want it, uh, and that we're not going to arrive until most people are Christians. You cannot force a Christian society. You actually have to have virtuous people. Right. And there was a time, though, at which the United States government, in the spirit of Benjamin Franklin's sort of deism, did actually promote 
virtue with its own resources. Do you have any memory of the Book of Virtues animated series in the 1990s on PBS? No. no. This is fascinating stuff. So this animated TV show on PBS was written by two Ronald Reagan alumni and had three seasons in which every episode taught things like honesty, loyalty, courage, um, you know, family, stuff like that, using animated characters and drawing on the teachings of not just Aristotle, Plato, Christ, but also just sort of secular folk tales and Aesop's mm-hmm. fables. A government funded television outlet uh, promoting virtuous ideas, uh, ideas about what good is. And that actually does require a government to know and have an opinion about indisputable truths. <laughs> uh, Brother, I, I think that's, I agree. that's good to have. Listen, man, I agree. I, I will tell you one show I did watch. Listen, man, I, I was born in 1981. Uh-huh. So uh, Captain Plant, mm-hmm. remember him? Oh, See, yes. that, that, that was virtuous to me. You could not have a Captain Planet talking about the environment today without it being all the liberals are trying to brainwash individuals. So listen, man, cause and effect is a reality. You trash the earth, the earth does not respond as appropriately or adequately to the life that it sustains. As within, so without, as above, so below. These things are all connected, dear brother. Would you not agree? I would. And the politicization of everything has made people close-minded to very simple things. Uh, like it is generally good to have a television show that does promote having clean air and clean uh, water. Uh, but you might want to draw a line at, say, worship of the earth itself, uh, but just an appreciation and love for it. Yeah, but even if somebody decided that's their religious belief, um, they should still have access and protection as anyone else in this world. As they there you go. That's right there, brother. All right, man, this has been a fascinating conversation. <laughs> We're going to have you back. Thank you for being All on right. the show. Thank you, Dr. Right. Reggie. Absolutely.